Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 3, Term 3. This is Lesson 28, I believe. And we are starting the next subtitle, His Word Was With Authority. Alright, so following this significant event, with four disciples now in tow, (laughs) the focus changes to Jesus' authority in ministering God's Word. And also His authority over sickness, disease, and demons which many believe were directly related to each other. Alright, so let's begin with the first of these, and that is Jesus' authority in ministering the Word, with Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. Now that parallels Luke chapter 4 and verse 31, saying, Then they, that is Jesus, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, okay, now we know who the they is, alright, went down into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. So this is something that Jesus did. Alright, let let me go through this. We need to see and understand several things here. Firstly, John MacArthur reminds us again that Capernaum was a prosperous fishing village on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It contained a Roman garrison and was located on a major road. It was more important than Nazareth. And Jesus made the city his headquarters. Alright, second, we know from Luke 4.16 that it was customary for Jesus to attend the synagogue on the Sabbath. Meaning that he always went to church. Okay, so to speak. (laughs) Okay, it was Sabbath, he went to church. Alright, or the synagogue. Third, from these verses, we now also find out that it had become fairly customary for him to teach while there. Okay, after, needless to say, after having been invited to do so. So, you know, what we see from this very, very quickly, and sometimes we just read past it, is that number one, Jesus regularly attended his synagogue. Number two, okay, from the, from the incident of being 12 years old and he astounded everybody, we know that you know, the rabbis would have thought, you know, when this guy's in town, we should get him to get up and say something. Because it's usually pretty good. Okay? And so we see two things there. Remember again that the reading of the scriptures were done standing in honor of God's word. And the explanation and application of the scriptures were given while sitting. Which is what Jesus would have done when it says that he taught. So he would get up, he would read the scriptures, he would sit down and he would teach. Okay? Alright. Fourth, as R. Kent Hughes points out, the congregation in Jesus' day was made up of fishermen, merchants, craftsmen, laborers and their wives. They participated in the praisings and the blessings, the prayers, and the reading of the law and the prophets, while they eagerly awaited the expected sermon from the Nazarene who had been causing such a stir in the countryside. And they were not disappointed. Because it goes in the say in verse 22, and they were astonished at his teaching. It says, for, for his word was with authority. That, that's what Luke says. And Mark says, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now I want you to see a couple of things here. I put them both in because they're both showing two different things. Luke picks up on the fact that his word was with authority. But Mark picks up that he taught them as one having authority. In other words, not only was he, would he convince them by what he said, he was in himself convincing. Are you all with me? That you could look at him and go, regardless of what he's saying, that man has authority. Are you all here? Okay. Alright. And we need to see both of those things. And so he says, he taught them as one having authority, not 
as the scribes. Obviously, the scribes got up and you fell asleep two minutes later. Okay, there's like, well, now, blah, 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 blah. And they go, what do you say? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I went off to sleep in the first blah. Okay, so, but <laughs> when Jesus got up, when he spoke, see, this is the difference between religion and what's real. Okay, what people say everybody else said, and what you truly believe. Amen? Amen. Okay. William Hendrickson, and, and let me add to that, it's not just only what you truly believe, it what, it's what God confirms through you. Because I could be making a lot of noise up here, and if you don't, you know, if you're just thinking, this guy, hmm, he's loud, but you know, I don't know if it's right. <laughs> okay? Obviously, Jesus was strong in his uh, deliverance, and also the Spirit of God was strong in confirming it to everybody's hearts that were there. God was going, yeah, that's it, finally. Everybody is probably going, yeah, that's it, finally. <laughs> it's funny how God says something and you pick up on it. You know, amen, amen. All right, so William Hendrickson writes, While Jesus was speaking, even after he had finished, the people were dumbfounded. They were literally stuck, struck out of themselves. And that is, out of their senses by amazement and wonder. It was a state that lasted for a while. So it was like somebody just ran them all over with a truck, you know, and they kind of get up and like, whoa, what just happened? Now we need to get all of this because we need to understand that, see, we see Jesus and his popularity based on he healed them all. All right? And, and sometimes we put too much emphasis. Somebody says, oh, there's a healing meeting. Everybody runs a healing meeting. Somebody says, oh, the word is being preached. Yeah, whatever. We'll catch it on YouTube. You know, you know, you know, no, but, but you know, the, the, the thing is that a lot of times, you know, people don't rush to go hear teaching. They'll rush when there is, I'm not saying you guys, okay? I'm just saying generally people, okay? They'll rush to go get healed. So they can watch TV without, you know, too much discomfort, whatever. Okay? <laughs> and, uh, but I want you to understand something. It wasn't because Jesus healed people that he was popular, I want you to understand there was something about him teaching as well. Because as we progress through the Gospels, we're going to find that people came to hear him teach. This is where a lot of churches go wrong as well. Hey man, get up there and teach something that God can confirm. You'll be surprised that, uh, let me tell you, the right people will turn up. Amen. Amen. Okay. And notice this, that he spoke a word. That was powerful. And it had an impact on people. And they were astonished. Alright? As to why Jesus' teaching was so astonishing to them is because of the following reasons. Firstly, as R. Kent Hughes puts it, He was so real, so true, so utterly, passionately sincere. It showed that unlike most of the religious leaders of the time, Jesus actually cared about people. And came to release them from bondage, as is brought out in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, And Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Amen? You see, a lot of times that is what you should be receiving. When you're receiving the word, it shouldn't put you in bondage, it should set you free. I pray that I never do put you in bondage with anything I say. You know, sometimes I know people sort of get a little bit convicted. Okay? But that's different from me putting weights on you and, and, and putting you in bondage. You all, you all understand? Yeah. 
wasn't me, okay, it's God. <laughs> okay, right? He just tells you to say stuff. I say stuff, and people jump, and I think, what did I just say? <laughs> I have no idea. People have come up to me and said, oh, you knew, didn't you? And you, you, you just went off and said all that. I have had people say that to me. You know, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have absolutely no idea. And people think I aim things at them. I so don't. There was a time I did. Then I learned. <laughs> okay? Alright. And, and, and so... Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, we, we learn from our mistakes. And so I learned, you know what? I've got to preach the word that God gives me. That's it. Amen? And after that, whatever comes, comes. You know why? Because I'm going to be blessed for the heart that I did what I did with. If I did it with the right heart, I'll be blessed. It's not just the doing, it's the heart behind the doing. Do you understand? Get it? Alright, so if I, if I sort of knew stuff and I was just aiming, somebody said, don't use this pulpit. It's a misuse of power when you use it to address things that you just want to get off your chest. You all here? I always tell you when I do. I'll tell you, this is my soapbox, and I'm going to get on it right now for the next two minutes. Then you all know, you can go to sleep, whatever you want to do. But, okay? but otherwise, it isn't. It's me just ministering the word to you. Amen. Alright, back to this. The Pharisees, on the other hand, did the exact opposite. So this is what Jesus did. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, I'll give you rest. However, on the other side, in Matthew 23 and verse 4, Jesus says, they tie up talking about the Pharisees, heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Amen? So, you know, you need to be careful. You know, people sort of say, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Check their lives. They probably aren't doing it either. And if they are, they're doing it to, to earn righteousness. Amen. Do you know what I'm trying to say? All right? And those, that kind of righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. Because that's what Isaiah tells us. Okay? Alright. In other words, while the Pharisees were always looking for ways to get everything they could from people, and at the same time, putting them into more and more bondage, Jesus was always looking for ways to free people and actually give something back to them. And that's what we should always be doing. Amen? Endeavoring to do. See, if, if you are a, that's called being a blessing. Amen? Okay. A second reason that the people were astonished at his teaching was because he spoke the truth. <laughs> okay? As opposed to the corrupt and evasive reasoning that marked the sermons of many of the scribes. That's what was so significant about the statement that Jesus made in John 14.6 when he said, I am the way, the truth. Get it? He said, I don't preach a truth to you. I am the truth. If it comes out of my mouth, bank on it. Amen. And he says, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Added to this, there is also the statement Jesus made to Pilate in John chapter 18, and the latter half of verse 37, when he said to him, I came to bring truth into the world, or to the world. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Which tells you all the people that were arguing with him didn't love the truth. Yeah? Jesus is going to talk about, you know, that people didn't like the light. They were happy in their darkness. Amen. Third reason 
that were astonished at his teaching was because he presented matters of great significance, matters of life, death, and eternity, as opposed to the scribes, the teachers of religious law, and the Pharisees who wasted their time on trivialities, as is brought out in Matthew 23 and verse 23, where Jesus says, again, we'll look at all these when we get to them properly, when he says, how terrible it will be for you, teachers of religious law. Watch this now. And you Pharisee, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income, but you ignore the, more, the important things of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now that's really interesting. Yeah, can I just stop for a little bit? I know we're not looking at that verse, but I want you to notice he says justice, mercy, and faith. Think about those things. Which means that they were unjust in the way they were handling things. Now that, you know, let's just start there. First of all, you would would expect the religious guy, a a leader of religion, first of all, you would expect justice from him. You might not find it in the world, but at least there you should find it. Can I get an amen on that one? You know what I'm trying to say? So I want you to notice Jesus is saying, you know what, you do all these little things over here, but the things that people need from you, when they come to you, you need to be able to say, you're right, that is not the right thing. And you know, whether you're helping them with something, or praying, doing something, you know, to, to, to get God involved in it. First of all, you need to recognize it. First of all, you need to say, yes, we acknowledge that is not right. Injustice. Get it? Second, notice mercy. Wouldn't you expect that from a religious leader? See, again, we fly through these, but we miss some of these things. Jesus is saying, of all the people that you should expect to receive mercy from, it should be these people. Amen? That if you are going through something difficult, they're not going to judge you. Amen? Okay? Again, we'll preach on this properly later, but I just want to bring this. And notice the third thing, faith. Which means these were faithless people. Which means they didn't believe God for anything. Which is why they used to always try and squeeze blood out of rocks. Try to get money out of people. You get this now? They were unjust, unmerciful, and manipulative. Because they needed to be, because they didn't have any faith in God. Okay. Notice now he says, thank God. He says, you should tithe. That's good for us. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. Do you know why they're more important? Because all your tithe is useless if you have all of this going on in your life. Can I get an amen on that one? If you're unjust, unmerciful, if, you're, you know, if you don't have any faith, what's the point in tithing? Just to show everybody that you're doing it? Are you all here? Amen. Jesus, on the other hand, dealt with the matters that concerned everyone, as is brought out in what he teaches in Luke chapter 12. Uh, For example, as he says in verses 20 through through 31, he says, Consider the lilies of the lilies, how they grow. See, this isn't wonderful, Jesus. He looks looks at the little flowers. You know how they always say, Stop and smell the roses? Yeah, Jesus did that, okay? (laughs) So they were lilies. All right? (laughs) So he says, Stop for a minute, check this out. Everybody going, oh, we're watching lilies grow. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, no. So he says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you, even Solomon, in all 
His glory was not arrayed like one of these. Interesting, isn't it? You know, because you know why Solomon? Because they all love his wealth. Okay, all the, all the nice stuff. Get it? And Jesus is saying, hang on a second. Let's start here. See all the little flowers you've been stepping on? Have you ever stopped to look at them? He's saying, do you know, they are so much better than everything that Solomon ever had? They're going, hmm, let's check this out. <laughs> okay? All right. He says, if then God, watch this now, God so clothed the grass. See how he's turning his attention from man to God? He says, so if God so clothed the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Amen? Want to preach on that? Won't? When we get to it, I'll do. Okay. And he says, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. The, the point I'm bringing out here is notice how God, the Lord is talking to them on a very real level. And he says, And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Because basically everybody's anxious. All writing about, like, what can we do? You know, we've got to provide for the family. And, we've got to, and that's good, but don't be anxious about it. Do you see the difference? See, you can be responsible without being anxious. Did you all get that? Be responsible, but don't carry the weight of it. Roll the care on God, but be responsible. We need to learn how to do that. Sometimes we think if we're not anxious, we won't do anything. Naughty if you're like that. <laughs> okay? That's like the kid that has to wait till the last day before he studies for his exam. Until the adrenaline kicks in, he doesn't do anything. Okay? All right. Can we not live our life like that? Amen? Amen. Okay, moving on. All right. Verse 30. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. Now that's, that would have been a huge thing for them, because they usually hear God, God, God. They don't hear Father. Get it? He says, verse 31, But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. That was just so simple. Alright, so he starts out by saying, Do you understand how God looks after all these things? Alright? So understand something. If God takes care of something that is so temporary, that is one minute here and next thing it's in the oven, how much more will he care for those people, can I just add, made in his image and likeness, amen? That he loves you so much more than that. And if he's willing to go to that much, those lengths to, to clothe them, don't you think he'll clothe you? Amen? And so th- this, is what, this is what he was doing. And just like you, they would be going, uh-huh, that's right. Just like me, when I'm reading, I'm going, uh-huh, that's right. See, because he just talks to you. Amen. And that he just got their attention. And he says, you know what? Now let me tell you the great secret. Stop running after those things. Go after God. And this stuff will get added to you. That would have been a huge revelation. Amen. Once more, Jesus not only dealt with the present life, but the future as well. Matters of death and eternity. With him saying in Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 through 43, we're going to look at all of these amazing scriptures when we get to them. The Son of Man will send out His angels. Alright, this is a future event. And they will gather out of His kingdoms all that offend, offend and those who practice lawlessness. And will cast them into the furnace of fire. 
And there will be, all right, again referring to a future event, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, he not only talked about, okay, God will look after you. God will take care of all this, all this stuff. But also understand something. This is coming. There are angels. You know, because half, you know, half of the religious people didn't believe in angels. You know, Paul used that to turn one faction against the other. It was really cool. But anyway, okay? But see, he doesn't have any problems. He's talking about things he knows about. This is very interesting. While everybody hypothesizes, here is God manifesting in the flesh, telling you this is what's going to happen. There's going to be angels. There's going to be fire. There's going to be all this sort of stuff. And those people that did the right thing, there is a future reward for you. You're going to shine as the sun. Now, isn't that interesting? Think about this now. What happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus shone like the sun. And he's saying that's what's waiting for all of you who do what is right. So he not only encourages you to have faith down here, to get real down here, to seek after God and make sure that your priorities are right, he said there is a future coming where you're going to be blessed more than you can imagine for all the good you do down here. Amen? So he, just, he manages both ends. A fourth reason for their astonishment was that he was systematic, focused, and actually made sense. <laughs> okay? <laughs> While the scribes and Pharisees often rambled on and on as their Talmud, excuse me, the Talmud proves. Alright, what's more, in his commentary, R. Kent Hughes says that the scribes and Pharisees were in bondage to quotation marks. They loved to quote the authorities. Rabbi Hillel says, but on the other hand, Gamaliel says, see, it's one, you know, you can quote people, but if you're quoting things that are constantly contradicting each other, you leave people going home with, I don't know what to believe. Are you all here? I'll use quotes to give you clarity on things. But I'm not going to give you quotes to say, well, this quote says this and that quote says something totally different. I don't know. Okay? The only time I'll give you something that's a little bit, that, that sort of we don't know which way to go with it, is because if I, if I look at it and think, I think, you know, it could go either way, that one. So I'll give that to you, so that you don't ever get caught out. If somebody says, oh, we think it's this, you go, yeah, yeah, there's that too. I know that. <laughs> okay? No one ever get caught off by surprise, okay? But with these guys, if this is all you're getting, all the time, you know, on one hand we believe blah, blah, blah. On the other hand, there's this. We believe that as well. And you go, I don't know what to believe. Well, welcome to church. <laughs> okay? That's not, okay? That's not what you want. Alright. So, it was second-hand theology. Their labyrinthine, petty, legalistic distinctions were boring. There was no spontaneity. There was no joy. That's a key thing. Okay? Alright. Like I said, it was just on and on. What's worse, it was something they actually boasted about. <laughs> with one of them proudly making the statement, nor have I ever in my life said a thing which I did not hear from my teachers. That's quoted from there. Okay, so they used to be proud of the fact that they never came up with anything. Yeah, they were just parroting all their superiors. Are you all with me? Okay. Alright, now, this does not mean that quotes are bad things. Okay. While they bring insight, understanding, and clarity to a subject and help people grow and mature, they're fantastic. 
Amen. I've given you some stuff that you've gone, whoa, that's really good. Because there are some tremendous godly insights. Alright? However, if the quotes are difficult to understand, contain too many opposing views, and confuse the very people they are to help, then they are not good. And should be kept away from. Amen? Amen. Whenever Jesus quoted something, it was to clarify, not confuse. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, Jesus says, you, uh, you have heard that it was said of those of old. Here's a quote. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, here's the clarification, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Okay? So he says, okay, you've heard this. There's a quote. Okay? Like I said, you can use them. Be careful how you use them, but you can use them. Alright? You've heard this, but I'm telling you this now. Okay? Bringing some clarity into it. Fifth, fifth, the reason for their astonishment was the way he excited their curiosity by making use of all kinds of illustrations from nature and everyday life. Like in Mark chapter 4, verses 3 to 9. Where he says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Don't you love this? He goes, okay, let's talk about farmers now. We, we looked at the lilies of the field, let's talk about a farmer, okay? As he was scattering the seed, everybody goes, yeah, we see that happening all the time, because a lot of them did that themselves, all right? He says, so as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. They go, yeah, that's usually what happens. You see, what, see this? And he says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. So they go, yeah, 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 we see that too. See, it's, it's like he's, he's giving them something that can go, yeah, we get what you're saying, okay? He says, others fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not uh, bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And Jesus then says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So they're looking and thinking, Okay, so stuff that's planted on good ground will grow. Okay, stuff that hits the pavement, things are going to come and steal it. See, he's going to then go on and talk about what all this means. I didn't do that here today. But again, I'm just showing you how Jesus got people's attention. He talks about lilies, he talks about farmers, birds, seeds. Yeah, he's just, this is that kind of community he's talking to. See, today we, we, we might use, you know, you know, Facebook or my face or, okay, just, you know, my face, okay, whatever it is to, to communicate certain truths. You know, we can say like your navy, you know, might do this or go there, and, you know, if it's in the wrong place. You, you start using different things and you talk about satellites and whatever and people go, oh yeah, we get that. We know how that kind of works and we, we get what you're trying to say. You know, and, and so people will go, yeah, we get that. So that's all he did. Well, the rabbis were off quoting all sorts of crazy things. He just said, look here, look there. You've, you know this weapons, you know how that it is. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, we get it, we get it. So he not only talked about men, but women also, such as in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. It's very interesting that Luke is probably one of the few Gospels that gives all the things that Jesus said about women. The other ones, not so much. I used to think that the writers of the other Gospels had a problem with women. Then I realized that the audience they were writing to wouldn't listen if it had a woman's story in it. So they were writing things down that they had to get the attention of the people they were writing to. Interesting, isn't it? But remember, Luke is a Gentile. They didn't have a lot of the Jewish problems. So he includes a lot of what Jesus said about women. So here's one. 
Okay? That's why we're going to do all the Gospels. We'll get a balanced view on everything he said. All right, Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. We might have to finish with this one. We'll go to the sixth one next time. Is that okay? When we come back. All right. Because it's the most important one. All right. We'll start with the bag next term. Okay. Here it says, Or suppose a woman has ten valuable silver coins and loses one. She got a coin collection going here. Okay. <laughs> and she loses one. It's like, you know, and all the women go, Oh yeah, that's happened. Okay. All right. Won't she light a lamp and look in every corner of the house and sweep every nook and cranny until she finds it? See the illustration? And the man is not going to sweep the floor, is he? The woman will. She's looking for a coin. She'll go looking for it, man, broom and all. Get it? Okay? And when she finds it, she will call her in her friends and neighbors rejoice with her because she has found her lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angel even when one sinner repents. Astonishing. The people had never heard such things from the scribes and Pharisees. Their speeches were often dry as dust, as Hendrickson says. All right? And when we come back next time, we'll look at the six most important reasons the people were astonished at his teaching. Let me just introduce it. Because unlike the scribes and Pharisees who constantly, excuse me, borrowed from fallible sources, often one scribe quoting another again, Jesus' messages came directly from the very heart and mind of God. Amen? Let's read John 8.26, finish, and we'll pick this up. Jesus says, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me. And he is true. So they were getting first-hand information from God himself. God sent him with a purpose, and that's what he was doing. Amen? He was ministering exactly what God had given to him. We're going to look at that next time when we come back in fourth term. All right. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray and conclude for today. Father, we thank you today for this word.